Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Time and time again, the one thing that will protect you against economic downturns is an education allowing you to adapt into varying careers. Go and build your toolbox at MSU. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. So whether you're looking to change careers or just further your own education, check out MSU Denver Online. What is up, everybody, and welcome into the DNVR Nuggets podcast. I'm your host, Adam Matas from DNVR, where you can subscribe and get access to all of our premium content, including the list, my film study deep dive that I do for almost every single Denver Nuggets game. Today's show is a notebook edition. If you're new to the program, welcome. You know, we do the live post-game shows after every game with the entire crew, including our newest member, Devalier Johnson. But... After, you know, the following day, more often than not, we'll, I will do notebook episodes, which is what this one is right here. It's a solo episode where I go through my detailed notes after rewatching the game and kind of dive a little bit more, get a little bit more uh, in depth about what I see going on with the Denver Nuggets. So without further ado, let's get into it. And of course, today's episode of the show is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. When you go to DraftKings Sportsbook uh, and download the app, use promo code DNVR, sign up. So this game was a very interesting for a bunch of different reasons, but you know the Nuggets looked fantastic in this game. It's weird to say because it was just a preseason game, and there was a lot that Portland was doing in the game that I thought allowed Denver to look so good. Um, Portland, I might have to revise my takes on Portland after seeing how poorly they defended uh, the Denver Nuggets, primarily in the pick and roll, and just seeing some of the weaknesses that they have in their defense. So they looked pretty bad, but the flip side is the Denver looked good defensively and offensively. And so often, like when the Nuggets will have a good game or make a bunch of shots, a lot of times it looks great live. You go into the film and you, you watch it a second time and it looks like, okay, maybe, you know, it's less impressive when you really dive into it and see the details. This game was not the case. I thought it looked more impressive on rewatch. And there were some things that did that stood out even more so the second time around that I think are really promising because I think that there are sustainable things about them. But we're going to go into the notebook here. If you don't know, I go in chronological order. So I take detailed notes as I rewatch the games. And then I'll just go one by one because often there'll be a thing that happens that happens several times throughout the game. And I'll just talk about that. The first thing is that the starting unit looked like it was in midseason form. 
Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, obviously only two months off of being in the bubble, but both of them looked really good in this one. With Jamal Murray, I'm going to talk about him a little bit later, but just the decision-making and the ease at which he gets to his spots on the court and reads the opening on the court just continues to improve. And then with Jokic, you know, just so skinny. And using that lighter weight to to do some interesting things that I think are going to become a trend this season. I'm a little bit more maybe off the dribble game. A little is not a word you would use to describe Jokic most of the time, but he had some shake in his game. Um so he was just I mean two games in a row now he looks fantastic. My takes on him. I think the we've been doing those Denver Nuggets player previews up on YouTube and then we have a bonus content behind the paywall. The one I we did for Jokic, man, I'm telling you, I am feeling confident. I'm feeling pumped for him. Um, he did give a backcourt foul, though, and I think he's done that now twice, once in each preseason game. So, you know, all of us hoping that he, that he breaks with that habit, that Euro foul, like, oh, let's start the stop the fast break. Or sometimes it's the frustration foul where he thought he should have been, you know, he shot it. He thought he should have drawn a foul. He doesn't get it, and he fouls in the backcourt. He's had one in each of the last two games. So. That one of the few blemishes on on you know his resume in this preseason, but it's a big blemish because that's just the most annoying thing he does. Gary is shooting the ball. Gary Harris is shooting the ball with confidence, and he's driving to the basket with confidence. He's not making them though, and he's making a lot of turnovers and a lot of mistakes. And he was kind of in this game, especially in that first quarter, he was a little bit of the turd in the punch bowl, punch bowl offensively, although defensively he was just absolutely brilliant. But offensively, at least you can say that he's shooting with confidence. His teammates seem to be fine with him taking the shots and drives that he has been taking and just kind of it's almost like he's in this two year slump, much of which has been due to injury. He's healthy and he's still in a slump, but his teammates are just kind of allowing him to try to work his way out of it, both by giving him shooting opportunities and allowing him to sort of go off script and, and drive. In fact, he had a really nice layup in this game early on where they ran a play, the defense overplayed it, so he just drove to the basket and made a nice reverse. So they're allowing him that freedom and he's taking it and using it almost like he's trying to like give himself confidence through just shooting through it, which I, I guess is a good thing. I mean, who knows? He'll never get out of it and then, you know, it's a bad thing, but at least at the moment it's like, okay, Gary, keep doing it because confidence really is the biggest thing in the NBA. I know that sounds cliche. But Gary Harris is a fantastic basketball player, and the difference between him at this point, in my opinion, making shots and not making them, is at least in part about his confidence and belief. And so sometimes just like faking it until you get over whatever hump it is, and then your confidence returns naturally. It just seems like that's the process he's playing with himself right now. Um, Michael Porter Jr.'s offense is such a like a value add to the Nuggets right now. And what I mean by that is it seems like the Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, Paul Millsap, Gary Harris, uh, you know, foursome in that starting lineup. They've been together now for four years. They know each other, uh, you know, can read each other blindfolded on the court, know exactly what each other are going to do. They're, they're, there's a rhythm to everything, and they just look in sync. The The whole idea of continuity with that team, I think it really – you really notice it when you're watching them because everything is natural and smooth, and it's really good. Those four together are really good. Michael Porter is the guy who sort of just conjures points out of the out of thin air right now. He had that transition three. Denver's already up, I think, like six, seven, eight points. And every now and then, Michael Porter Jr. is just going to like make an amazing or tough shot. And that's just one of those things. It really is, in many ways, like the Warriors, when they added Kevin Durant, it's like, okay, well, you have the Warriors offense, and then you have the Kevin Durant offense, and he just adds a little bit extra to it. 
Ideally, you would like to, and I think this is going to happen over time, although it's going to be a lot slower than we hoped, you know, Michael Porter is going to become more ingrained into what they're, they're doing, and I think the team begins to trust him more, and he trusts the teammates more. But at the moment, he really is just this guy that adds things out of, out of thin air on the Nuggets offense, and it just takes him to a whole other level, even if it doesn't feel totally natural at the, at the moment. Um, he did hit that three in transition. He didn't touch the ball for like the first four minutes of the game. I mean, barely touched it. Then he hits a three in transition that was, I like the shot for Michael Porter. I like it for Jamal Murray. I think if you are willing to take those shots and capable of hitting them, there's benefits to those shots that aren't just in the points. They're in how the defense reacts and overreacts to you in transition. So I don't mind him taking those shots, even if they are sort of like early shot clock it's only semi-open or whatever with no rebounders. I'm still fine with him. To me, he should have that green light, as should Jamal Murray. Um, but he, he drains it, and the very next play, he takes another one. And you could see Jokic get like sort of visibly frustrated with him. Now, I think Jokic, and I've talked about this, needs to chill a little bit. He needs to show a little bit more support and 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 be a... You know, he's so... His nonverbals are just so loud with him in a way that I think is, is damaging. But... This, at the same time, you see why when two possessions in a row, there's zero passes, Michael Porter pull up threes, that can rub teammates the wrong way, and I'm sure it's a thing that has been discussed um, you know, with him before. So um, just something to kind of keep, keep an eye on. The Nuggets, the thing that was happening in this game, and it had more to do, I think, with Portland's defensive strategy, bringing Nurkic all the way up to the level of the screen, trying to put pressure on. Um, the Nuggets did a great job, whether it was Will Barton, Jamal Murray, um, PJ Dozier, even Monte Morris, they were all doing a great job of getting the ball out of their hands early in that uh, trap. And this is something I think Denver hasn't traditionally been great at. Maybe this is a thing that they actually learned in the playoffs because this was a thing they had to do to sort of beat um, Utah. But getting the ball out of their hands early so that Jokic is catching it on that short roll, basically at the three-point line, in between the free-throw line and the three-point line, so really high up on the court. But what it does is when you deliver that pass and Jokic is attacking four on three, it's just it, there's nothing you can do. And Portland ha often had you know Covington, they had Hood, they had Carmelo as that back line of defense. Just absolutely no chance against Jokic in the way he orchestrates from there. So Jokic just in his bag, but a lot of catching it on that high short roll and, and dropping it off to guys in the dunker spot who were uh, capitalizing on it. The second unit, the first second unit to come in was actually um, Jokic goes to the bench. Paul Millsap and Michael Green uh, come on the court. What's interesting about it, that lineup absolutely crushed it. You know, Will Barton comes into the game, then you go with those two guys. So Jamichael Green offensively at this stage is similar to Paul Millsap at this stage in that you're probably not counting on him to do any, like, high-level creation but he can space the floor and knock down the three, and he doesn't, um, you know, he doesn't eat up possessions or anything that he shouldn't. In fact, I think one of the things that's really underrated is I was watching Jim Michael Green. I know Nuggets fans have asked, "What does this guy do? You know, where's his value? This or that?" You know, he needs to knock down shots, and he hasn't in the preseason. I think anytime you join a new team, there's a little bit of just that that rhythm that you have to kind of figure out. But one thing I'll say about Jim Michael Green is he's an incredibly unselfish basketball player. And I know everybody's probably thinking, well, yeah, because he doesn't score a lot of this or that. But there's something more to it. He doesn't hold the ball for long. When the ball swings to him, he quickly swings it to where it's supposed to go. It reminds me in some ways of one of the things I always raved about Juancho Hernan Gomez was that even if he's not scoring, he just gets the ball to the players that are good. And that, there's a skill to that. It's an absolutely a skill to uh, – P.J. Dozier, by the way, horrible at this. And P.J. Dozier is good, 
but he's not quite as good as he thinks he is. And oftentimes when the Nuggets are in flow or in rhythm, the ball will find PJ and he'll take a dribble, size a guy up, and everything just stops. With Jermichael Green, you know, you swing the ball, he's going to swing it quickly and just find the next action and go right into it. And those types of guys are just so incredibly important, especially when you have so many playmakers. But the other thing that second unit does when you bring Millsap and Jermichael Green together is it gives you two more guys that can hit the standstill spot up three, which means you have a five-out lineup. You know, you get to a lineup that's Monte Morris, Will Barton, uh, P.J. Dozier just in this last game, and then Jermichael Green and Paul Millsap before Isaiah Hartenstein came in, and that gives you five guys that can hit the three. That's great. In the NBA right now, not every team has that, and the ones that do, maybe they, they have gaps defensively or this or that. That's a, that's a lineup that has some very good defenders. Dozier, very good. Millsap, very, uh, obviously great. Uh, Jermichael Green, very good. And then Monte Morris, solid. Will Barton, solid. So you get all good defenders and then just happen to have five guys that can shoot the three, and that lineup crushed. In small minutes, in small doses, it crushed. Uh, and I'm curious to see if Michael Malone going forward continues to play lineup, play that lineup rather than just say, okay, Jokic, you're out. Hartenstein, you're in. I wonder if he staggers it. Jokic, you're out. We're going to play small ball for a little bit. Then Hartenstein comes in. Then Jokic back in. I think that that makes a lot of sense against most teams, and it was extremely effective for the Nuggets in this game. Um, and it was just Will Barton in particular was so great. So we talked about how Will Barton goes to this lineup and it opens so many things up. And it did also with Isaiah Hartenstein. But before he got in, it worked even better, I thought, when you gave that much space to Will Barton, Dozier, Monte Morris, guys that just playmakers that just know how to get into the teeth of the defense and make plays once they get there. So it was, I, I really, really liked that lineup and the way that Malone sort of staggered it. 41 points. In the first uh, in the first quarter alone, in that second unit, it was just such a wave. Like one of the things you want your team to be able to do, segueing from first unit to staggered unit to second unit, is you want it to feel like waves, right? The best teams, it feels like waves coming at you. Like, okay, we stopped this attack. Now this new thing comes on. It's a completely new counterpunch. And that's what I felt like the Nuggets did through the first quarter and the first few moments of the second quarter. Really, the whole game. But I'm just to, to kind of show the three different versions of the Nuggets, you know, the first unit, the staggered mixed unit, and then the second unit. It really did feel like three different teams and each one made a run. And that's, I, I just thought that was such a cool thing uh, for the Nuggets to be able to continue to play in different ways, but have equal success for all of them. All right, really excited to tell you about a brand new sponsor. I think these guys are going to be a big sponsor for us. And I'm pretty excited because they sent me a shipment of their product, Hassle Cattle Company. That means hassle-free meats. Uh, that's right. We brought you damn good beer. Now we're delivering to you one of the best to your door beef delivery uh, companies out there. It's the absolute best source for farm to table Wagyu beef in this country. Hassle Cat Cattle Company is a fourth generation cattle farm out of Texas. They ship all over the U.S. straight to your door. Uh, and they call uh, their beef blue collar Wagyu because it's delicious, but it's also affordable. I think a lot of times when you think of these like boutique, you know, ordering steaks directly like this, maybe it's going to be pricey, this or that. Nope. This is affordable, helps you plan out your week of meals. And most of all, their, their meat is absolutely fantastic. They sent me a shipment. This is the best part of my job is all of our sponsors. They'll send us stuff. They sent me a shipment, steaks, bacon, some beef, uh, some, some beef jerky, all kinds of good stuff. And it's fantastic guys. I also like zero antibiotics and hormones. So here's what you want to do. Go to hasslecattlecompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L. H-A-S-S-E-L-L. 
cattlecompany.com and use promo code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. I know you've been thinking about this. Nobody wants to go to the store anymore. As many uh, trips as you can cut out of your life right now during COVID, the better. So just sign up for this. Start getting this delivered straight to your door. It's going to be the best thing ever. DNVR10 for 10% off. And any order over $200, you receive free shipping. I know you guys have been hearing about this one, about the DraftKings Sportsbook's big promotion here is the NBA season is back. It feels like it just went away. But lucky for us, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is here to kick off the 2021 basketball season with another no-brainer for all customers, new and existing. So even if you've taken advantage of all the other crazy can't-miss deals, you can still take uh, advantage of this one. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now, because here's the deal. You make a bet on these opening night games. You get a plus 75 point spread on the team of your choice on opening night. That means if you're betting on a team to either win or lose by 75 points or less, basically they're saying take the free money. So download the app right now, DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code DNVR when you sign up and you get that 75 point spread on opening night for a shot to double your money. That's code DNVR to get a shot of doubling your money on opening night on a no-brainer deal. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Okay, back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast, going through the notebook notes here. Um, the thing that was so encouraging on the offensive end in this game not just that they made shots. By the way, 40% they shot from three. They got a lot of shots off from three, and that was one of the emphasis. And after the game, actually, Michael Malone talked about this. It was a point of emphasis. They didn't feel like they did a good job of this in game one. In game two of the preseason, they were able to really find a lot of three-point shots. But I think that the way that they found those three-point shots, I mean, one of the ways, I should say, is that they segued from their first action into their secondary actions a lot. So I always say that in the NBA, teams will script out an offensive play, and some of those plays take for for you know there, there's actions to be read that take all the way the full 24 seconds of the shot clock or close to it. You know, there's some slow developing plays that it's like okay, you got to run this, and there's no other options. But most plays in the NBA, they have a primary initiating action. They usually have some kind of secondary action. And then you just read and react off of that. You can you can call audibles. But once you get through that action, maybe it takes seven, eight, nine, ten seconds. Once you get through that, the best teams are the ones that can segue directly from the end of that play, meaning the scripted portion of it, right into just read and react free-flowing basketball. This isn't just pickup style basketball. This is a basketball set on principles. If this happens, I cut here. If this guy cuts here, I read it this way. I replace this way. And this is what I thought was so encouraging is you talk about a team coming into training camp having one week of practice. They can only get so much chemistry with each other over that one week. And then over the course of the season, teams get better and better at these wrinkles, going from one action to the next, read and react into each other. What I thought was so incredible about this game is Endeavor has a lot of playmakers. We talked about having two three-point guards on the t- on the court at all times. You talk about having a guy in Jokic, Millsap, uh, Jamichael Green, who swings the ball very quickly, Isaiah Hartenstein, who really showed me a lot in this one. You have guys that can go from one action to the other and just read. You have smart players on the court all over, with very few exceptions. But 
being able to do that allows you. So we're to preseason game number two, and there were so many plays where Denver ran a set, and either I mean there was a lot of plays where Denver ran a set and got a look on it right away, like it just worked because again Portland's defense was terrible, and Denver has a lot of good players. But there was also so many plays where they'd run that first action. Portland would be flying all over the court to recover, doing good things defensively, but Denver didn't stop. There was no pause. There was no hesitation where the defense gets to catch up. They would just segue from one thing to the next, and it wasn't just the starting unit, which you can expect that from for a guy like Jokic and Murray and Harris and guys that have been playing together for so long. No, this was P.J. Dozier, Isaiah Hartenstein, Jamichael Green. Those were the guys that I was so impressed with how much the ball was just flowing. It never stopped. There was no hitch, no hesitation, no looking around to read the court. It was just, let's keep it moving. Let's have uh, The ball has energy is what Mike D'Antoni used to say. When you hold it, it loses energy. When you keep it moving, it gains energy and more people, it's it's like contagious. You, you pass it, you keep passing it, and then everybody wants to pass it. Nobody wants to hold it. Well, I thought that's what happened in this game. And whether that was because, again, it's something that I, I think it's sustainable because Denver has so many you know playmakers and this is what's... The most encouraging thing about that game and about this team this year is the ball just, I think it's going to be popping a lot. But sometimes it's also just about establishing a healthy rhythm early. The first unit did that. The second unit did that very early on when they got in there. And then it just never left the Nuggets. They had it all night. Um, Barton, Will Barton, so he stood out offensively. Because of how well he ran the pick and roll, how he knocked down the shots that he got, and just how you know he looked like one of the better players on the team. But when I went back and rewatched it, what really stood out was how dialed in he was defensively. And I put one of these up on the list. On on uh, this one's actually free. So if you've never read the list, you're gonna want to watch our player preview series on Zeke Naji. He was so good that I made the the. Usually we do one portion of that that's free on YouTube, the video series previewing his season, kind of telling you all about him and and different topics of discussion around him. And then we have a bonus part that includes either a conversation with George Carl or my my contribution to the bonus part, either a a conversation between me and George Carl, or it is a video breakdown by me. And for Zeke Naji, it was a video breakdown, the list. And I I liked what I saw out of him so much that I made this one free so everybody can see. So go on our YouTube channel or go on thednvr.com and check it out. Um, but I, uh, but Will Barton, when I was watching it, there's a clip on there of just this very high level rotation that he makes in that one on the pick and roll where he saves a, a possession that was probably a 90% score possession. Defense gets broken down. Isaiah Hartenstein gets split on a pick and roll. Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum going downhill towards the basket. Will Barton makes just an incredible anticipation read. And, you know, people laugh. I think he had the third best defensive rating on the Nuggets last year or or defensive box plus minus last year. And I know advanced stats for defense can be tough. Will Barton's a very good defender. And I know a lot of people have been saying, you know, who should start? Should it be Gary? Should it be Will? And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. That's a very layered question. But one of the things I always hear is Gary Harris should for his defense. And he is an elite defender. But I don't know that it's as much of a drop-off between Gary Harris and Will Barton as most people think. In fact, there are certain circumstances where Will Barton is every bit as good as Gary Harris uh, defensively. And I talked about P.J. Dozier. His biggest problem is that he's about 10% too aggressive. And I think on good nights, that aggression serves Denver. You have to have somebody willing to kind of you know, bulldoze their way into the paint. But he just, to me, needs to dial it back about 10% and trust his teammates a little bit more. This is probably the number one thing with players of Dozier's caliber. He's very good. 
but why hasn't he made it in the NBA? And I'm not saying this is Dozier brings a lot of stuff to the table. So he and and like I said, he's only about 10% too aggressive. Usually with these types of guys, and Marcus Howard, I think, is probably gonna be one of these guys. They were so good at their level that they have to dial it back, you know, 80% because now they're role players. They were always the go-to scoring option. Now they're role players. And I think with Dozier, it's not that bad, but it is about 10%. He just needs to understand that there's so many playmakers. Make quick reads, attack. If it doesn't work, keep the ball moving, cut, do do these different things. And he just has a little bit of a tendency to hold it and kind of want to dance with the ball a little bit. Um, I, I talked about Will Barton getting the ball out of the, out of his hands and pick and roll so much. It really stood out to me. Gave Jokic so much space to operate. I think Jokic loves playing with Barton, especially in the pick and roll. He's tall enough to see over most defenders. Um, and then he's more dynamic. When you put him out there with, say, Jamal Murray and P.J. Dozier, like he's going to get a lot of opportunities attacking mismatches, and he's just very good at that. Michael Porter kind of has bad hands. I think we talked about this a little bit last year, but he missed a great pass from Jokic today, uh, yesterday in the open court that was just like, man, he's his hands aren't horrible, but for a guard and for a guy as skilled as he is as a shooter, he he drops a lot of passes and fumbles a lot of like easy rebounds or passes or drop-offs, um, and it's just something to kind of keep note of. I don't know how he can work on that, but to me it is something he probably should work on. Uh, I talked earlier, I, I mentioned this earlier in the show, but J- the game is really slowed down for Jamal Murray, and you just see it. He reads the angles. He reads the timing on when to, like, you know, when to burst. He'll, he'll be going at one speed, and then just out of nowhere, he'll he'll step it up, and he just sees the angles, like, where things are. He sees the court ahead of time. He had it, I kind of laughed because he had this one drop-off to Paul Millsap for a dunk where he was basically in Jokic's role in that short role in the middle of the court, draws the defender up with a fake shot, and then gets an easy drop-off. It it just looks so easy. The game's coming so easy to him right now, and we knew he was a tough shot maker, of course. We knew he was a great finisher at the rim and just his dynamic scorer. But now that he's seeing like easy opportunities to kind of read the defense – We've always thought of, I have always thought of Murray as this like sort of score, but maybe not necessarily as the cerebral type. Like you think of Chris Paul's, um, you know, that type. We thought of him more of as a Curry type, you know, where he can find his, make tough shots and look for those angles. But he really is getting better, in my opinion, at just reading the court and manipulating the defense without them even knowing it. And that's just, I mean, his odds of being a superstar are much higher than what I think I would have thought even as recently as five or six months ago. Um, one interesting thing that happened in the first half of this game is Damian Lillard ran a pick and roll into Michael Porter, meaning he cleared it out like they do in the playoffs, cleared it out because he wanted to attack Michael Porter, gets Michael Porter switched out onto him, and then isos him. And Jokic and the Nuggets did a great job of attacking that, not allowing Michael Porter to be out on an island, so Jokic overextends himself to sort of trap. So now you have Jokic and MPJ out extended, you're a little bit vulnerable, but Denver did an uh, an A-plus job of helping behind them, rotating. It just was, they were, I hate to say this phrase because it's the preseason, but they kind of had playoff attention to detail defensively, and so you think, okay, Lillard's thinking, okay, I'm going to attack their weakest defender. They end up getting a turnover. In fact, Michael Porter Jr. is the one that ended up getting a steal because they Jokic comes up, they trap the ball, gets it out of Lillard's hands. Everybody rotates. Michael Porter's able to like shoot a gap uh, because the defense thought it would be easy to get out of that trap, and it wasn't. Denver did a good job. It's just little things like that on rewatch. I'm like, man, that's that's great stuff. Denver just seems prepared, more prepared than most teams at this stage and um, we'll see if that continues in preseason game number three and obviously into the regular season but he's just such also Michael Porter is just such an elite tough shot maker I mean the offense the ball isn't finding him nearly as much as I'd like and I do worry about that long term I'm hopeful that over the coming weeks it finds him more and more but 
even when you just see him like at that that going into halftime shot, just such an elite t- tough shot maker. And I don't know how you defend that shot. Like you you deny him so he can't catch it, but it's hard to deny a guy for too long. He catches it, falling to the side, falling out of bounds, and just drains it. Nothing but I mean, he uh, whenever he arrives fully with this team, it's going to be incredible to watch. Um, I thought it was interesting. We fast forward into the second half. Jokic knows all of Nurkic's moves. I always find this funny, and I think it's going to be a thing that happens going forward, that the more Jokic plays against the guy, the more he gains an advantage. And I've yet to see a player that has sort of gained an advantage on Jokic. There's been guys that have kind of had his number, um, you know, early on, this or that, and Nurkic is even one of them. You know, don't forget, there was a time when people thought Nurkic would dominate Jokic. Um, That first season, really, like... When Nurkic went over there, the first time they played, he had that monster game. And then even early on in the next season, Nurkic had a game or two that was good against him. I think since then, Jokic is just – you watch that Portland-Denver game, and it was not it was an afterthought, the Jokic-Nurkic battle, because it wasn't a battle. It was Jokic playing great and Nurkic just looking like any other dude that you know teams throw out at him. And part of this is I just think Jokic does know all of Nurkic's moves. He's not nearly as dynamic as Jokic is as a scorer. And, of course, the most high-profile example of this is when Jokic pulled the chair on Nurkic. It was such a, I know exactly what you're going to do, exactly when to pull the chair on you, and Nurkic fell over and turned it over. Um, But it wasn't just that. It was also some of the post moves. It was some of the little things Jokic is doing at the top of the key that just is like, I know you're going to bite on this, and then I'm going to go here. And um, it really – that – it's a preseason game, so we don't want to say too much, but Jokic has had the better of Nurkic for a while, but this was one of those games where it felt like Jokic was like, doesn't matter if you were a chair with wheels on it, I'm going to score on you. Um, Nurkic might as well have just been like a practice dummy or something. That's how easy Jokic was going at him, and on the other end, how easy he was stopping him. Um, Denver's also ran a lot more in this game, and it paid off. They weren't credited with a ton of fast break points, but the way they calculate those fast break points, I think, kind of silly. I think it has to be a shot within this first, when there's 17 or more seconds on the clock or 18 or more, something like that. But Denver got a lot of what I would call secondary break buckets, meaning they ran they ran in transition, didn't necessarily get a shot off in the first six seconds, but it led to a good shot because of that. So maybe, you know, maybe it took 10 seconds to get a shot, which isn't long, but it, it wouldn't count as fast break. But it was because they were running. They got the ball out quickly. They had so many ball handlers. And by the way, everybody can take the ball up. Even Hartenstein brings the ball up the court. Pilt Millsap, of course. Jamichael Green, I think the only guy I haven't seen take the ball up the court, or at least I don't remember it. Bull Bull, he takes the ball up the court. Like The Nuggets have so many guys that they feel comfortable running in transition and so many wings that I, I think that this will be a season where Denver's transition game comes easier than ever. Um even Monte Morris, you talk about everybody just kind of being dialed in and on a different plane. Uh, even Monte Morris had this great rebound. It wasn't I don't think he gets credited for a rebound, but Denver just scrambling and flying around on defense. Shot goes up, uh, and Monte crashes the board just to tap it just enough so that Denver can secure the board defensively. And it's just another one of those examples of Denver, like, man, everybody's kind of dialed in. And then I, I, I talk about running the court. One of the skills that has popped out to me on rewatch watching Isaiah Hartenstein is how well he runs the court. He sprints really hard. Part of this is Hartenstein plays hard. He's he's a bit of a tryhard, um, you know. And the minutes that he's playing, he's only going to play. I'm guessing twenty or fewer minutes uh, for the Nuggets in that backup spot. So he has the sort of bandwidth to go all out while he's on the court, and he does a good job of it. If you just kind of keep an eye on him in transition. He rim runs hard, and he sprints the court really, really well, and I think that'll serve Denver. 
Uh, wrapping up here, fourth quarter, um, I talked about Jermichael Green swinging the ball. He, he stood out, especially in this fourth quarter. Uh, Compasso, this is no surprise, he put so much pressure on the basketball. And one of the effects that that has, you know, I, I've heard people, when, I, when I, we were doing the scouting, they were talking about him. They said one of the things that's concerning is, you know, he pressures guys, but if they get around him, you're vulnerable. I don't know how true that is because – Yes, it's true when you go against some of your better, you know, really dynamic superstar players, you have to be a little bit more conservative, but he's so fast and he recovers so well, and he also just shadows the ball so well, he stays in front of his guy, it's actually hard to get around him, Um, but even when he does, he just, he's very good at speeding players up. Meaning he, you want to walk the ball up. Well, he's going to force you to have to like work to walk the ball up. Okay, you want to go into pick and roll and attack. Well, he's going to make that really annoying for you. And sometimes when that happens, players start to press because they're like, well, I want, I'm trying to – it's like he's a gnat. You're trying to shake him off of you. Well, he does such a good job of that. And there was two examples in this game where he looks like he gets beat, recovers well enough to sort of force them back into the help, and then the player either turns it – I think in both cases they turn it over or in one he t- they take a shot and Hartenstein blocks it. And it's just because he's speeding them up. They're not playing at their play- pace. They're playing at his, and they make mistakes because they're not in their rhythm. They're in his rhythm. And I just think that's a real benefit to him. He's a, His defense, I think, is going to be for real. Playoffs, of course, teams are going to be good at exploiting it and putting him on an island and slowing those things down. But in the regular season, I really think he can be a great change of pace guy defensively as much as offensively. And then Zeke Naji, highly recommend you guys check out our video up on YouTube. Uh, like I said, we made it free for everybody because he stood out so much upon rewatch to me. I love the things that he brings to the table. Really like his skill set. And the two things in particular, obviously his shot. He's now 100% from shooting threes, I believe, two for two. And the shot form looks great. He also has an elbow jumper. I show the video of it. We slow it down so you can kind of break down um, frame by frame his shooting motion. But it's incredibly balanced uh, and and just smooth, repeatable. It looks natural. It's really nice. The other thing that I think is arguably his best skill set, and I think a thing that starts to make you think about his fit alongside a guy like Jokic and even a fit alongside a guy like Bol Bol, he's very good moving his feet on the perimeter. I didn't realize this the first time through. But he was on the court with Bol Bol, who was guarding Harry Giles, who was playing basically power forward. And he was on the court with Vlaco Chanchar, the new ripped Vlaco Chanchar, who was guarding Ennis Cantor, who's Cantor, by the way, super strong guy, very physical guy. So that means that Zeke Naji on the court with those guys was playing small forward, both offensively and defensively. Now he's six foot eleven. He's built, he's a thicker guy. He's built like a power forward. But his feet are so good defensively. I I, I mean, he's in probably. This is going to sound crazy, but I think what he projects to be is in the top 95th percentile uh, at moving his feet on the perimeter for power forwards for guys six foot eleven or, or taller. He really has that skill in him. And there's a clip on that Zeke Naji video where you I show him navigating screens, shadowing his guy. The guy just, he's he's being guarded. By, uh, granted, it's a second or third string Portland wing, but it's a wing, not a not a you know not a big and. He can't get around Zeke Naji. He's too quick. He's trying him, and he's realizing. I'm sure he's like, "Who is this dude? And this dude, I can't shake him." And Zeke Naji just stays with him. And then what I love about Zeke is he's also, you know, a hustle player. He's not a guy that's too good to do the little details. He's pretty dialed in. So in the clip, he shadows out on the perimeter twice, goes through a screen, gets back, shadows him, then gets switched off into onto Ennis Cantor, who's one of the best offensive rebounders in the NBA. And he box out, boxes him out in a tough setting, like having to quickly switch off onto him, box him out and grab the board. That's just a phenomenal sequence from him. 
there's not that many rookies in the NBA, especially six foot eleven, that could make the play that he made defensively there. There's another example up there on the list, again on YouTube, the Zeke Naji uh, player profile. There's another example of him just guarding in isolation, and it just shows how well he's like able to stay. And my guys can't beat him off the dribble. I think he's he's actually switched out onto Gary Trent Jr., who's a very explosive shooting guard. Um, six foot five, six foot six, something like that. Zeke Naji, six foot eleven, and he can't get past him. He forces him into a tough contested mid range jumper. It's just, I, I'm very excited about Zeke Naji. So then you think about him next to Jokic. Well, a lot of people say you need a rim protector around Jokic, right? That's the line. What I think you need around Jokic more than a rim protector is you need good backside rotation players and you need great perimeter defense. I would say perimeter defense actually even more so than this. If you can contain, Jokic is smart. He knows the angles. He can keep you away from the basket unless you get a straight line drive at him, unless you're running downhill. And then the more you can up the athleticism, the more Jokic is at a disadvantage. So running at him or making him guard an open space, that's difficult. But if you can contain the perimeter from all four positions out there, then Jokic is going to be great positional defender and help you as a backside. So Zeke, you start to think about him there. Well, he can space the floor offensively. His shot looks repeatable. It might even be one of, a guy that can like knock down shots off of movement, not just standstill threes, but you know receive a pin down or something or step into it off of movement. He looks like he could be that offensively. Very good rebounder, strong, so he's going to be physically overpowering to if you try to go small against him. And then moving his feet on the perimeter is just, I think that fits with Jokic. So Zeke Naji, sneaky. I get higher and higher on him every time I watch him. I, th- I don't think he's going to play a whole lot this year, but in terms of like, you know, what can he be? I think he can be a really good fit. And then what's interesting is you think about him alongside a player like Bol Bol, both guys who can shoot the three. And there was actually a play I, I show, I believe, on the list. I, I can't remember if this got cut out on the cutting wood floor. They run this horns action with both Bowl on one corner or on one elbow and Najee on the other. And they screen and roll Najee and pop Bowl. Well, what's cool about this, and it works, it gets Bowl Bowl a wide open shot. But what's cool about this is you could reverse that. Anytime you have players that can be interchangeable, albeit different, like obviously Bowl Bowl super tall and thin, Zeke Najee, you know, more of like a, a bruiser type. Anytime you can roll bowl, pop Najee, or roll Najee, pop bowl, it just makes it so much more difficult for defenses to read and react to that and so many different wrinkles you could put. So I think Zeke Najee might be a sneaky fit alongside both of those guys. Um, He also, one of the knocks about him coming into the the draft was that he was a guy that was not very good at catching on the short roll and making a read. If you threw it to him, he knew to go up strong, but if he had to make any type of, not even complicated reads, like basic reads, he would get charges or he would throw the ball away. He just didn't read the court well. That was on his scouting report from just about everybody you, you talked to or any article you read. It doesn't do well. Well, he had a good example of catching it on the short roll, being patient, turning and pivoting and, and kicking it out in this game for a wide open three. In fact, who was it though? It was PJ Dozier gets, gets, is the recipient of that. So um, that was really encouraging to see that maybe he's making progress on one of his weaknesses. Another thing I love seeing in this game, Jamal Murray coaching Michael Porter late in the fourth. It was really cool. So Michael Porter hadn't been in, Murray hadn't been in. Those guys played till the third, then they were out of the lineup. We're late into the fourth quarter, maybe three minutes left in the game, and there was a camera cut to MPJ and Murray on the sideline, and you could tell what was happening was MPJ was asking Jamal Murray questions, and Murray is like kind of pointing at the court and explaining something to him and kind of like dial, you know, showing him what it is that he has to learn. And I just love this. Jamal Murray is really seems to be growing every day more and more into this role but what I like about it also is there's this perception of Michael Porter and I think it's rooted in 
you know, something, but I think it's overstated, this perception that maybe he knows it all and he doesn't need to take the learning. But what I think is, I, I think that's not true. And I think it's greatly exaggerated. Now, it might become true over time, especially if he's not involved more in the offense that he is right now. But it just was, it's a really cool clip that lasts maybe 10 seconds, a good long clip where you just see him being coached and, and, and it's really great to see. And then lastly, Bol Bol, his handle and his passing, really strong. I know everybody wants to look at the, the, the buckets he makes and his shot, we, it's well documented. He has incredible touch uh, and his jumper I think is going to be legit. But the way he brings the ball up the court, I... I've talked to some of the scout people that watched him in high school and in college that said, you know, the thing that se- that separates him from Pokashevsky or or Chet Holmgren or some of these other guys is they have a great handle. Like their handle, there's like a guard, not like a big who can dribble. I think Bull Bull's handle is like a guard. I, I actually think that, or like a wing, I should say. I actually think before long, Bull Bull will just be a guy that you can trust to handle the ball in complex situations. And I don't think that is a thing that... I think he's going to be as good at that as just about anybody his height. Um, and then his passing just it, it continues to throw. It's a little unconventional because his arms are so freaking long. But, um, you know, I, I think it's pretty impressive. We're going to talk more about him in the second section because um, I, I have a feeling I want to preview the next game. But I have a feeling he's going to become more and more important here in game three. Guys, going to tell you about WG, WGT Golf this week. Starting on Actually, it's starting right now. I just, I just made it go live. Uh, all the way through Thunday, Sunday, we're hosting the Santa's Workshop Open at, I think it's called Kiowa. Kiowa? Kiowa Island. All country clubs can participate. So go to WGT Golf. Remember, this is the uh, mobile golf game that's on your phone. It's incredibly realistic. It reminds me a lot of that old Tiger Woods golf game. It's like I think even better than that because you're actually looking. It's like, um, what do they call that? Um, AR, right? Not like VR. It's AR where you're actually on the golf course. Everything looks 100% realistic and you get to play. It's simulated golf. It's super, super fun. And what makes it even more fun is that here at DNVR, we've created country clubs. So when you download the app, you go to the country club button and you search for DNVR 4. We've already filled up DNVR 1, 2, and 3. I think we have like 1,500 people or something playing with us right now and continue to grow more and more. And every Thursday night at 8 p.m., all the way through Sunday at 8 p.m., we create a new closest to the whole tournament where you can win prizes and do different things. It only takes about 10 or 15 minutes to play that hole, so it's something you can do while you're waiting for a bus or you know whatever whatever it is that you have going on. You can find 10 minutes throughout the weekend and play this, and you're entered to win some really cool prizes. So once uh, you enter to win, we choose a random winner each week to pick out a DNVR shirt of their choice and mask, and we ship it to you. Um, new courses every week leading up to Christmas. Winners are picked every Monday. You get nothing to lose. So download WGT today. If you haven't, join DNVR Country Club 4. Also want to remind you about Strava Craft Coffee. You can also subscribe now. Save 20% with Strava Craft Coffee subscription. Subscriptions are the way of the future. Subscribe to the Hassle Cattle Company. Subscribe to Strava Craft Company, DNVR. But with Strava, you save 20% when you subscribe. They'll send it straight to your doorstep every month, however frequently, you know, you could set the limit, however frequently you want to receive it and it'll come straight to your door. You got your coffee right there. You know, a bunch of you have taken advantage of that one-time code we've been giving you. If you use DMVR20, you get 20% off. But if you want to get 20% off every time, then sign up for that subscription. And of course, uh, Strava Craft Coffee is that CBD infused coffee that's made right here in Colorado. Craft coffee, I should say, made right here in uh, Colorado. And of course, CBD, it's, you know, you don't taste it. The coffee you taste, of course, it's fantastic. But the CBD, it comes with all these auxiliary benefits. It helps with uh, headaches, back aches, body aches, uh, joint pain. 
um, anything like that. Even sometimes people can have like chronic stomach, you know, have their stomachs being upset or this or that. Uh, the CBD can really have a great effect on that. Um, so I highly recommend it. It also just tastes great. And like I say, it's local, it's Colorado owned. So I always say support these local companies, keep Colorado local. And that includes Strava Craft Coffee. All right, final segment here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast, Notebook Edition. And now we look ahead to Friday night's game, the final tune-up before the regular season begins. And I suspect that the Nuggets will treat this game like they have the last couple, meaning that I think that they're going to give the regular starters and rotation pieces the first three quarters of the game. And they'll probably try to work in maybe even a little bit more minutes for your end of bench guys. This is Marcus Howard. We haven't seen Greg Whittington. I don't know if he's going to be available for this game, but if he is, I suspect that that tomorrow will be a game that he uh, gets into. Um, Vlaco Chanchar probably gets a little bit more. Uh, on the injury report, by the way, the only guy that's listed is Jamichael Green, who has a left calf strain. Um, I'm guessing it's nothing minor since nothing else has come out about it. But what is interesting about this one is this means that somebody moves up in the, in the rotation. Now, does that mean that Facundo Campazzo, who was basically part of the third string, does he now move up? And maybe they try to play even smaller than before. So maybe Will Barton's the three and P.J. Dozier's the four. Do we get really crazy and go there? Or, as I would prefer, does Bull Bull get moved into that second unit and moved up a spot? I would love to see that. We haven't seen enough of Bull Bull Bull. And I think that we can read into him being part of the third unit that he is at this very moment on the outside of the rotation looking in. Um... That'll obviously change. There's going to be opportunities. There's going to be injuries. There might even be some COVID cases throughout the year. There's going to be opportunity, I think, for just about everybody on the roster to play. But I would love to see Bull Bull get some run with that second unit, with Will Barton, with uh, Compazzo if he should play. I'm really curious to see if Compazzo and Bull can run a pick and pop because Compazzo is such a great passer, so good at getting into the defense. He's so speedy. And, of course, Bull Bull just bends the defense because he's seven foot three. So I, I'm curious to see if he gets in there. I'm, I'm hopeful that he is, and then he gets some real minutes. And then, of course, there's a chance that we get to see. I, I, I would put the odds very low, maybe one in ten chance. But there's a chance that we get to see Jokic, Michael Porter, Jamal Murray, and Bull Bull on the court together. We've never seen that. And it would be great if we got our first little glimpse of that uh, in this game. And then, of course, R.J. Hampton. I mean, he probably will be part of that third string, you know, if he's back. But, you know, you never know. Um, I, I wouldn't count on seeing all five of those guys or anything like that. But it would be neat to see. And even Zeke Naji, to be honest with you, he's won me over so much that as much as I would love to see Bol Bol because he's so fascinating and so unique and and so different, I wouldn't mind seeing Zeke Naji get some minutes with some of the more of the guys. Like right now, he's been playing a lot with that third string. But if he got an opportunity to run extended minutes, um, you know, with the big guys, I, I think that would be really cool. But that's the, maybe the number one thing I'm looking for in this game. I want to continue to see if Michael Porter can just have a game where he gets comfortable. Again, it doesn't mean anything if he doesn't. But it would be nice if we saw a 20-point game from Michael Porter where the shot was falling. We, I have no questions about him as a shot maker. But it would be nice to just see him, the ball, find him more in the natural flow of the offense. Um, so that's high on my list of things. I've seen enough out of Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic that nothing that they do tomorrow will really surprise me. I wouldn't be too surprised if Michael Malone for those two and maybe Paul Millsap as well reduced the minutes a lot. Maybe they only play the first half. I wouldn't be surprised by that, especially since you're playing against a Portland team that you've already seen. I don't. You really only need to play those guys long enough to get them an, uh, an exercise. Like keep them in shape, give them live reps, keep the rust off. And I think a half would, would accomplish that. So maybe their minutes go down a little bit. I don't really have anything I care to see from that. 
Um, with Gary Harris, you'd love to see him make shots. You'd love to see him clean up his offense a little bit more. Will Barton, just every you know, he was so fantastic that you almost forget that there's this injury question around him. That's how good Will Barton was, by the way, in Game Two. That we went from I don't know if he's going to be healthy, is he going to be pressing to he looks like he's a hundred percent and he looks really good. He looks as good as he did in the regular season last year. So one more game of this gives us another data point of to say okay, Will Barton looks ready. I think we can count on him uh, at full go right from the start of the season, which to me boosts the Nuggets' odds up quite a bit. Um, and then Facundo Campazzo, just where does he play? Is he he played a lot in the first game? He played at the third string in the second game. So where is he in the rotation? Is it situational? That's probably a question I'll ask Michael Malone tomorrow. But is it situational that you say, okay, this is a team that we're going to play Dozier tonight. This is a team that we're going to play Jermichael Green tonight. This is a, uh, a team that we're going to play Composo tonight. I'm curious to see if we get an indication of that and just where he plays. And then, of course, another look at Zeke Naji, another look at RJ Hampton. It might be a while before we see those guys again, so it'll be nice to get a look at them tomorrow uh, among everything else. But the Nuggets look, I'm telling you guys, upon rewatch, this is not always the case. They look as good, if not better, than they did live, and that's really exciting. Don't forget, tomorrow night we're going to be going live post-game from the DNVR bar, the DNVR post-game show. Immediately after, actually about 10 minutes after the game, we'll be live Go ahead and follow us on YouTube. You don't want to miss it. If you want to watch it live, it's Friday night. You got nowhere to be on Saturday. Stay up late. Use your smart TV. Hop on YouTube uh, and, and watch us there. You can comment along, which is always great. The comment section is always popping. Um, and we all, if you have questions, you can throw those out. We'll answer your questions live on the air if we see them. So it's a really good time. I think it's the best way to cap off a great preseason week and, and also just a great way to pe- uh, cap off uh, what has been a fun week of basketball games and will be the last preseason game. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow. We'll see y'all then. I also want to remind you about Strava Craft Coffee. You can also subscribe now. Save 20% with Strava Craft Coffee subscription. Subscriptions are the way of the future. Subscribe to the Hassle Cattle Company. Subscribe to Strava Craft Company, DNVR. But with Strava, you save 20% when you subscribe. They'll send it straight to your doorstep every month however frequently you know you can set the limit however frequently you want to receive it and it'll come straight to your door you got your coffee right there you know a bunch of you have taken advantage of that one-time code we've been giving you if you use dmvr20 you get 20 percent off but if you want to get 20 percent off every time then sign up for that subscription and of course uh strava craft coffee is that cbd infused coffee that's made right here in colorado craft coffee i should say made right here in uh colorado and of course cbd it's you know you don't taste it the coffee you taste of course it's fantastic but the cbd it comes with all these auxiliary benefits it helps with uh headaches back aches body aches uh joint pain um anything like that even sometimes people can have like chronic stomach you know just have their stomachs being upset or this or that uh, the cbd can really have a great effect on that um so i highly recommend it. it also just tastes great and like i say it's local it's colorado owned so i always say support these local companies keep colorado local and that includes strava craft coffee